Um, we're in New York. I'm in New York City right now, which is the epicenter of what's going on uh, in in the country. It is the most coronavirus cases. Um, let me give you a little update on just how many cases there are right now in the United States, in New York, and around the world. Good morning, and thanks for joining us this Sunday. It's been another shocking and sobering week. Since we came on the air last Sunday, the number of cases in the U.S. has skyrocketed, climbing from roughly 25,000 cases to nearly 125,000 cases this morning. And worldwide, close to 700,000 confirmed cases. In the U.S., the virus has now claimed more than 2,100 lives, including the tragic death of an infant in Illinois announced yesterday. While New York has emerged as the epicenter in the U.S., cities like Detroit, Boston, New Orleans, and Chicago are experiencing a dramatic rise in cases and bracing for impact. So as you can see, uh, we're looking, we're already over 100, uh, we're already over 2,000 deaths uh, here in America. And unfortunately, I, I think it's going to get worse. I also, I, I don't, I don't think at all it's possible that that's the actual number, honestly. I mean, I would expect it to be a lot higher because a lot of people have not been tested and a lot of people are not even able to get into the hospital right now. Hospitals are being overrun. To show you what our capitalist system, let's see what our capitalist system is doing for the folks right now. You ready for this? Looking to raise $60 for our room. My disability hits my account tomorrow. I've been ordered to stay home today by a doctor. And if my fever gets worse, to go to the ER. PayPal. As soon as I pay this, I could sleep. Laid off from my job because of COVID-19. If anyone is interested in online voice lessons, hit me up. Or if anyone is able to help, my Venmo is Brittany Kelly. Our landlord is still making us pay rent, and I'm stressing. What a dick. I agree. My husband has been in the hospital since February 3rd with pneumonia, but he has all the symptoms of virus, but not tested. Now, with everything going on, I'm trying to find job because he was our sole income, and we have four kids. Please help Venmo Tanya. This pains me to do this, but here goes. I'm an unemployed artist and fighting a hopefully mild case of COVID-19. Ways to help out and her art site. My town is among some of the hardest hit areas in Queens. I already lost my job and I feel like my dad will be next to lose his. If that happens, we'll have no income for who knows how long. I've been trying to get help from Cash App and other celeb donators for a long time now, but I've had no luck. Please retweet this or help out. My dad is also at risk for catching the virus by going out every day. And if that happens, I don't know what will happen to him. My mom is sick. We've made many visits to the emergency room. She's a hairstylist and won't be able to work for God knows how long, that and the hospital bills. She's already had to take out loans to pay for rent. I'm in college, also out of a job at the, money, at the moment. Anything helps. And there's a picture of her mom who's having to take out loans while dealing with coronavirus. 
I currently can't pay for my medications this month. I have spinal surgery coming up for my spinal injury, and I'm honestly so scared of how unwell I will be without my medicine. I'll link my story below. I'm deathly sick with a fever of 100.8, and I could barely breathe. My rent is due, and I have no money, and I will lose my apartment if my rent isn't paid. Please, anything will help. I live with an eight-month-old and a mom on disability and her cash app. How's that? How's that for greatest country in the world? How's that for shining city on a hill? By the way, Jen sent me, I think, 10 to 20 more, but I didn't have time to load it all. If Jen and I or you want to go through, just hashtag my Venmo or GoFundMe. It is literally exposing the capitalist You want to call it a system? The capitalist scam. Those people that I just showed you, those people that I just showed you, this, this fairy tale bailout, it's not going to help those people right now. For the people getting laid off, the money's not coming to them right away. For the people with, you know, Joe Biden during the debate, Said, oh, you know, coronavirus, you, you won't have to pay. Oh, yeah? Because those people are already getting hospital bills. The, the bill, the corporate bailout that Congress just passed has nothing. There's no provisions in there for free testing or uh, free coverage. And what about the people, including ones I've already interviewed, that have gone to the emergency room we're told, well, we don't have any tests. Sorry, go home if you're not feeling well. Quarantine yourself. They're getting hit with a bill. People are having to do GoFundMes for masks. People are having to do GoFundMes to meet their rent. Mothers, mothers with um, coronavirus are laying in a hospital simultaneously having to take out loans to stay afloat. To me, no? to me, I mean, people say on Twitter, now's not the time for politics, Jordan. No, now is the time for politics because political decisions and political corruption is why you are seeing average people basically being victims of the economic hunger games that is capitalism. Political decisions, not just by President Trump, but by the Democratic Party that has enabled this Republican treachery, by the Democratic Party that is bought off by Wall Street, that is bought off by the lobbyists, that is bought off by all the special interests, have created a system with no safety net. There is no safety net. You think you think Donald Trump is really going to pass legislation that makes coronavirus treatment, which, by the way, uh, estimates are saying it could be up to $35,000 if you've gone to the hospital? You think Donald Trump is going to make that happen? You think Joe Biden is going to make that happen? You're mistaken. If you don't believe me, 
Coronavirus may add billions to the nation's health care bill. Insurance premiums could spike as much as 40%, 40% next year. With so much still uncertain about how widespread hospitalizations for coronavirus patients will be around the U.S., a new analysis says premiums could increase as much as 40% next year if the pandemic results in millions of Americans needing hospital stays. Quote, health plans went into 2020 with no hint of coronavirus on the horizon, said Peter V. Lee, the executive director of Covered California, the state insurance marketplace created under the Affordable Care Act, which conducted the analysis. To protect businesses and individuals from sharply higher rates, he supports a temporary federal program that would cover some of these costs. Oh, some of these costs. So if you get hit with a twenty dollars to $30,000 bill for going to the hospital for coronavirus, God knows how much it costs to be on a ventilator. If you survive after that, we'll cover some of your costs. I don't know. How does that sound if you get hit by a $35,000 to $40,000 bill? We'll cover like 10000 of that. No insurer, no state planned and put away for something of this significance. That's not to mention, that's not to mention, you know, you remember good old Pete Buttigieg, you know, Mayor Pete saying, you know, how dare you, Bernie Sanders, try and take away Americans' choice. Americans love their private health insurance industry. Americans love their uh, health care providers. They want the choice to keep paying out of pocket thousands and thousands of dollars. Don't take away people's choice. Same thing with Joe Biden. Same thing with Elizabeth Warren when she moonwalked away from Medicare for all. Do not take away people's choice. Well, Bernie Sanders doesn't have to take away their choice because employers right now are taking away their choice. Because when you have health care connected to an employer, if, if your employer discontinues it because you go on strike, ask the General Motors folks about that a couple months ago, or there's an unforeseen disaster like a highly contagious virus that forces businesses to close down, or in five years from now, seven years from now, ten years from now, when the inferno comes our way, I don't call it the climate crisis anymore. I call it the inferno. Well, businesses are going to have to lay you off then too because you can't, kinda, you can't keep your business open if your business is on fire or underwater, right? So literally, and this is from Wendell Potter, who I interviewed this morning, and I'm going to play that interview for you, but I want to read this to you first. This is from Wendell Potter. He was, uh, for many, many years, an executive at uh, for-profit healthcare industries. Since then, he has been an outspoken critic of the for-profit healthcare industry and a champion of Medicare for All. He says, the tragic effects of our battle with the, no battle with the novel coronavirus are seemingly endless, but arguably the most mind-blowing is this. The very pandemic that threatens to infect and kill millions is simultaneously causing many to also lose their health coverage at their gravest time of need. Here's how. The virus has caused a public health crisis so severe that people have been forced to stay home, causing businesses to shutter and lay off workers, and with roughly half of Americans getting their health insurance from their employer. Again, half of Americans getting that health insurance from their employer that Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, you know, 
Like, how dare you? You're going to rip health care away from their, from their uh, rip people's private health care away. You're going to leave them stranded, the neoliberals say. These layoffs mean not only losing their income, but also their medical coverage. In other words, just as our need for medical care skyrockets in the face of a global pandemic, fewer will have health insurance or be able to afford it. According to one recent report, the cost of treatment for COVID-19 can run around $35,000. As the patient in the report explained, exclaimed, I was pretty sticker shocked. I personally don't know anyone who has that kind of money. So how do we get to such a dire place? Many will sadly lose their jobs over the coming weeks, with one estimate predict, projecting as many as 30%. And as they do, Americans are about to learn something horrifying, how irrational and irresponsible it is for so many to be dependent on employers for health insurance. Take it from me. I'm a former health insurance executive who once profited from this system. It's time for it to stop. To me, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. And let me play you an interview Bernie did, which again, is kind of just a lot of mixed messaging. Here we go. Is there anything about this moment that makes you think that perhaps Congress and the country might be more open to the kind of big government programs that you have pushed for for a long time? The answer is yes. I think there is growing sentiment in this country uh, that people now understand that it is incomprehensible that we remain the only major country on earth not to guarantee health care to all, that we have an economy which leaves half of our people living paycheck to paycheck, 40 million people living in poverty, while we have more income and wealth inequality than any other major country on earth. And I think what this terrible moment of an unprecedented pandemic, the worst in 100 years, I think in this moment, I think people are beginning to rethink the nature of American society, and the role that government plays in our lives. And do you think that's a good thing? Absolutely. You know, I think the facts are clear. How does it happen that we are spending twice as much per person on health care, and you have doctors and nurses today, at this moment, who are putting their lives on the line because they don't even have masks or gloves or gowns to protect them? What kind of system is it where people today are dying knowing they're sick, but they're not going to the hospital because they can't afford the bill that they'll be picking up. I want to ask you about the present day, though. 3.3 million people filed for unemployment last week. How long do you think it's going to take to recover from this? And what do you think it's going to take? I have very little doubt that there'll be another massive stimulus package within the next month. I think given the nature of this crisis, the Congress did yesterday is a step forward. I would have gone a lot further. I'm disappointed that we put $500 million, uh, into corporate welfare without any accountability or the kind of transparency that we need. But I think given the nature of the health care crisis and the economic crisis, Congress will be back once again for a major, major stimulus package. You are continuing your campaign for the presidency, yes? Uh, we are assessing the situation we're in. It's changing every day because elections are being delayed. Uh, we don't hold rallies, obviously. We don't do door-to-door campaigning, which hundreds of thousands of volunteers had been doing. Uh, we're doing a virtual campaign, if you like. But right now we're focusing on the uh, health care and economic crisis facing the country. Okay, that's interesting. I did expect you to just say yes. Um, when you say you're assessing... What does that, well, may I ask you what that means? 
show up. I mean, this is something new. This is what I've said. Look, we have some folks out there in our campaign, grassroots campaign, who say, you know, Bernie, you should go on and keep the fight going for the ideas that we believe in, that are gaining resonance. One of the things that has happened in this campaign is that our ideas are the dominant ideology of the Democratic Party right now, and I'm proud of that. Uh, I wonder at this moment in time whether or not you're the nominee. Do you see the general election being about anything other than the coronavirus? I understand it is still March, late March. We've got a couple months. But right now it feels like this thing is all-consuming. Is there some concern that we get to November and people are so focused on this virus that we stop thinking about some of the the other things you've brought up? Yeah, well, I think you raise a, a very good point. If you just lost your job and 3.3 million people filed for unemployment insurance in, in one week, you know what you're worried about. You're worried about how you're going to feed your family and pay your rent. So uh, obviously that is what the country is consumed about. But what I would hope is that we broaden that discussion to not only address how we deal with these crises, and let's be clear, uh, the Trump administration in terms of this coronavirus has been so, so, so irresponsible. But even above and beyond all of that, we need some space to be thinking about how we got here and where we want to go. And I think the American people are prepared to do that. So that was Bernard Sanders. But again, I ask, better get up the pot. I love you, Bernie. But what are you assessing? What is there to assess? I totally get it. I totally get it, okay? You got Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, all of them howling at the moon, Bernie. Stay out of it. Don't go hard after Joe. You know, it's over. Gracefully exit. There's a lot of pressure on Bernie Sanders. But with all due respect, you are 70, what is he, 78? This is your last hurrah. Who the hell cares what Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Tom Perez, and the very vultures of the Democratic Party? Who cares what they want? Who cares how you're going to be depicted in CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post? Who cares? Now is the time to show. Now is the time to show the, the massive holes that the capitalist system has created and the Democratic Party has enabled and the Republican Party cherishes so much. And now is the time to challenge Joe Biden. Now is the time to challenge Joe Biden. Whether you're going to win or not, Joe Biden needs to answer the questions. What, are you, what would you as president do for these people that are having to take out loans right now? For these people that their small businesses might go out. For people who are getting stat hit with $1,000 bills, thousands of dollars of bills because of emergency room stays, for ventilators, for anesthesia. What would Biden care do for those people? And why is it that our country is relying on CEOs and corporations at Quest Diagnostics, General Motors, to be making ventilators and masks instead of our government and, and a Medicare for All player uh, program. This is not, I'm not calling him a sellout. I think that's absurd. I am a Bernie guy till I die, personally. But that doesn't mean there's not room for constructive criticism. 
But as Bernie chooses not to go after Joe Biden, Biden is losing the general election in real time. New ABC Washington Post poll out today. Biden's lead over Trump has narrowed from 52 to 45 to 49 to 47. Biden is currently leading Trump nationally by the margin of error, two points. But what I think is even scarier about those numbers, okay, forget the number for a second. That will change. Polls later on might show Biden leading by more. The number is not as, as important as the enthusiasm gap. Strong enthusiasm for Biden among his supporters at just 24% is the lowest on record for a Democratic presidential candidate in 20 years. Let me repeat. Anat, my beautiful woman, yeah. are you listening? Yeah. Is your father listening? Strong enthusiasm for Biden among his supporters at just 24% is the lowest on record for a Democratic presidential candidate in 20 years. Why is that so important? And let me explain what that means. Let me explain what that means. What that 24% enthusiasm means, and I could tell you from my, uh, what I experienced in 2016, enthusiasm is, is yard signs, right? Enthusiasm is yard signs. Enthusiasm is signs on businesses. Enthusiasm is you go in an area of a, a city or a state and there's candidate, there's energy for a candidate everywhere. You can't escape it. There was a lot of that for Donald Trump in the Midwest in 2016. You could not escape Donald Trump signs all over Michigan, all over Pennsylvania, all over Wisconsin, all over Ohio. Hillary, not so much. In California, Hillary was everywhere. Hillary signs this and that. But you know why enthusiasm matters? And let me get this again. Because enthusiasm, 24% enthusiasm, you know what that translates? A lot of that, that translates to a lot of soft support. Soft support means those people that are supporting Biden right now because they're not enthusiastic, because he's not inspiring them, because frankly, as they watch him, even they can see, Jesus, this guy's struggling just at basic articulation. No, it's not a stutter. He was talking just fine as vice president in 2010. He was talking just fine in 2018 when he went around the country for candidates running in the midterms and spoke on their behalf. He wasn't stuttering then. He's having trouble articulating thoughts. He's losing his train of thought. So 24% enthusiasm for the Democratic nominee. To me, that indicates two things. One, these people still could cross over to Trump, not all of them, but a healthy number, or they're just going to stay home. That's what low enthusiasm is. It is soft support. The other number in here, the 15% of Bernie supporters backing Trump over Biden, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Of course, by the way, this is neoliberalism. This is Neera Tandon. This is uh, the Democratic Party. They're, of course, going to blame Bernie Sanders and the progressives that there's only 24% support for Joe Biden because 
it's never the candidate's responsibility to inspire people. It's never the candidate's responsibility to, you know, convince people to vote for him or her. It's not the candidate. It's all on Bernie. But the fact that 15 percent of Bernie supporters back Trump over Biden, first of all, you will never, ever hear me advocate voting for Donald Trump. I don't even care if strategically you could make the argument because I've seen some people make the argument. Um, you know, maybe if we vote for Trump, that will burn down the DNC once and for all. I, as a progressive and good conscience, I'm not voting for Donald Trump. He's a racist. He's a wannabe fascist. And he's, every, he's the opposite of everything progressive. So I'm not voting for Donald Trump. But the fact that 15% of Bernie Sanders supporters say that they are for Donald Trump says a few things. Number one, number one, as I've been saying for a long time, Bernie Sanders has a lot of independent voters that support him. Bernie Sanders also has not a huge number, but Bernie Sanders does have some Republicans that have crossed over to Bernie Sanders. But Bernie Sanders has always been very strong among independent voters. So this 15% is not just Democratic Bernie Sanders supporters. Encompassed in that 15% is independent voters, is some Republican voters. And I got news for you. A huge number of that 15% of Bernie supporters backing Trump. It's not because they like Trump. It's because they're tired of the empty crumbs offered by the Democratic Party. And they can't bring themselves to vote for the Democratic Party. It's not because they love Trump. Just, by the way, the same goes on the other way. You know, you know how many people I met in 2016 and interviewed that, could, that were not fans of Donald Trump whatsoever, did not like Donald Trump, but they voted for him as a protest of Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party. That's what that 15% is in large part. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying Bernie people should be voting for Trump. I'm not going to. But that's what that is. So Joe Biden... Tom Perez, the DNC, they could do the, the usual thing that they do, and that's voter shame. They could, they could say, you know, these people are, you know, are political terrorists. Don't they know what's at stake? You know, they're, they're going to reelect Donald Trump. No. The bottom line is, it's, it's you know, Bernie Sanders, um, Bernie Sanders does not owe, I mean, Bernie Sanders voters do not owe the Democratic Party anything, and they don't owe you their vote for Joe Biden. Joe Biden is going to have to convince progressives that he is different and that he's going to do something for progressives. And if he's not going to convince them, then you get what you get. If you want to keep pushing forward as policy, restore the soul of the nation, if you want to run a campaign without any actual policies, but just we need to restore the soul of the country, if you want to continue running a campaign offering Band-Aids to a gunshot wound, a public option, expanded Obamacare, a public college that's free for anyone making under $125,000, but do you really, down in your gut, think Joe Biden's going to fight for that if he's elected president? And, I mean, proof's in the pudding here. 
Joe Biden's campaign right now, this is from Politico, desperately trying to court progressives. If you have to court progressives, that should tell you something. What's amazing to me about this Joe Biden courting progressives, and by the way, this poll that I just showed you, Biden's lead only being two, two points over Trump nationally, the fact that he has only a 24% excitement, enthusiasm, Keep in mind, if this were the actual popular vote result today, Trump would likely win the Electoral College. That's from Dave Wasserman with uh, Redistrict that does polling. Again, if, this, if these were the numbers today, Biden wins the uh, national popular vote, Trump wins the Electoral College. Dave Weigel pointed out something from the Washington Post. Look at the real, cl- real clear politics average of Democrats first Trump right now. Biden 5.8. So Biden up six, Bernie up six or close to six. Four years ago, Clinton up 11 over Trump at this time. Bernie was up 17. But of course, they ignored that Bernie was the better candidate. So right now for both Biden and Bernie, at this point, They're both down significantly compared to the pace of Hillary and Bernie. Well, Hillary lost, even though she was up by that much. So Weigel makes the point, among other things, gets at why many Dems were comfortable with a long 2016 primary. Seemed obvious to them that Trump couldn't win until he did. Well, frankly, I think a lot of Democrats looking at this right now, how comfortable are they with Joe Biden being the nominee? And and to be fair, I want to be fair. Biden is doing better against Trump right now by a small amount than Bernie. So right now, even if Bernie was in Biden's position, right, if Bernie was up 300 delegates, it's not a slam dunk for Bernie either. Bernie has always said Trump is not going to be easy to defeat. So it's not a slam dunk that Bernie would win. But I got news for you. If Bernie was up by 300 delegates right now, his enthusiasm numbers would not be at 24%. His enthusiasm numbers would be in the 60s to 70s. And if Bernie was the nominee, you better believe, you better believe he would be head-to-head leading Trump by more than that. But Democratic Party, close your eyes, count to 10, hope for the best. I think Jeremy Scahill put it really well. This is a code red situation. If Democrats run Biden, Trump is going to be president for four more years. No amount of yelling about how much you hate Bernie Sanders or celebrating primary victories is going to change that. People who want Trump gone need to change direction fast. And what I think is so remarkable here, what I think is so remarkable, and it just shows the emptiness of the Democratic Party's argument. This is James Clyburn in a Wall Street Journal article. This is him quoted, saying, Mr. Biden should incorporate as much of the efforts being proposed by Bernie Sanders as he can. If Mr. Biden needs to court the progressives as much as he needs to court the progressives, Politico just reported that. If Mr. Biden is being told by Mr. Clyburn, who, by the way, sorry, I know this isn't PC to say, is corrupt, James Clyburn. If you have to basically 
for six months pretend that you're going you're for progressive policies and just for six months prostitute yourself politically and say yeah yeah uh uh bernie great i'll do everything bernie says why don't we just go with bernie then if the nominee that is up by 300 delegates right now well he's not the nominee officially but you know the point if all his people are saying yeah just copy bernie sanders because he's got a 24% enthusiasm among voters that say they're going to vote for him, then why is it we don't just go for Bernie Sanders? To repeat, to repeat, over 50% of the states have not voted. The majority of the states have postponed their primaries to May and June. New York State, which is the among all the states left has the most delegates at stake 300 something delegates postponed their primary from end of april to june this is why i say bernie sanders has a massive opportunity i don't want to lie to my viewers i don't think it's going to be easy i don't think he's going to win the nomination but he's got massive opportunities to point out right now uh i've been saying it all along you need energy and enthusiasm to win against Donald Trump, Joe Biden's got 24% enthusiasm. Joe Biden can't get, and frankly, I do not know. I understand Bernie is like a diplomatic guy and he comes from the school of thought of Washington and be diplomatic and Washington, uh, you know, the code of ethics and let's start every sentence with my friend over here. I mean, Bernie, if your number one priority is to get rid of, Joe, uh, get rid of Donald Trump, if you want to get rid of Donald Trump, Bernie, you're not stupid. You could tell that something is not right with Joe Biden. This, this brain, it's not computing correctly. You know, one last thing, and Jen sent me this, and I just, I, I just, I can't understand it. Why Bernie Sanders? It's just Joe Biden gives him opportunity after opportunity. Joe Biden coronavirus ad praises Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Seemingly forgetting his handling of the AIDS crisis killed thousands. A nationwide TV ad for Joe Biden has puzzled viewers by portraying Ronald Reagan's handling of the AIDS crisis in a positive light. Created by Unite the Country PAC, which backs Biden, the ad firmly condemns Trump's response to the coronavirus pandemic by invoking the images of presidents who guided the country through crisis. Crisis comes to every presidency, the narrator begins, in a somber tone as Reagan's face flashes across the screen. We don't blame them for that. What matters is how they handle it. The image of Reagan is followed by the famous photo of Barack Obama as he oversees the death of bin Laden and George W. Bush shouting into a megaphone as he stands in the rubble of the World Trade Center. Donald Trump didn't create the coronavirus, but he is the one who called it a hoax, who eliminated the pandemic response team and let the virus spread unchecked across America. So right here, besides the fact that Joe Biden is praising Ronald Reagan, who was a blatant uh, homophobe, uh, racist, and many other things, um, what's so troubling about this, Joe Biden, Joe Biden is literally running Hillary Clinton's campaign, just having a little bit more success in the primaries. Hillary Clinton's campaign tried this. Hillary Clinton's campaign tried, you know, courting the quote-unquote moderate Republicans who couldn't stomach Trump. 
You remember that? Hillary Clinton was trying to get the same donors that gave to Jeb Bush. Chuck Schumer said, for every blue-collar worker we lose in Pittsburgh, we'll pick up two moderate Republicans and somewhere in Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, moderate Republicans are kind of like extinct polar bears. They don't exist. And where they do exist, they're a very small club. So you could run all the ads you want praising Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush, who, by the way, is responsible for 9-11 because he didn't read his daily briefings that told him, hey, bin Laden primed to strike using airplanes as missiles. Remember that? August 6th, 2001. It, it's just incredible. You know, that's a good segue because I have a terrorism expert right here that has some information on how jihadists and white supremacists are using the coronavirus to perpetuate their hate. Are you ready to come on, dear, and give a report? Come on down. My girlfriend, Anat, is going to give a report on the white supremacists and jihadists <laughs> exploiting the coronavirus. So I'm going to actually deviate from the script and talk about that Tiger King Netflix documentary. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> jihadists and Nazis and white supremacists, oh my. So none of this gets reported in the mainstream media, so I guess me and Jordan kind of have that in common. Jordan, sure they can see me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Is it? Yeah. You're good. Um, so with jihadists, um, a lot of them are celebrating this and they're actually ISIS released this campaign calling coronavirus the soldier of Allah and they're very, very happy that infidels are getting sick and uh, China, which is like atheist China was targeted and Italy, with it, which is Christian atheists and unbelievers was targeted heavily. Um, so they're actually celebrating this and when Boris Johnson was diagnosed with COVID-19 a few days ago, um, they were just you know, mass celebrating, super happy, saying he's a war criminal, this is karma, he deserves it. Um, a lot of these jihadists are just not scared because they, you know, quote the Quran and they're saying that their, you know, lives are predestined. So, you know, the day of reckoning is coming and they don't have a say in that. So coronavirus or not, they're not scared. Um, but a lot of them feel that this is um, revenge for non-believers, infidels. Um, so they're actually celebrating this. Um, but I will say it's, it's, it's fascinating how pervasive it is. It's even in um, Al-Hol, which is a camp in Syria, which is holding um, about 80,000 um, mostly ISIS widows and children detainees. So there's even like reported cases there um, which is like mind-blowing. Um, I think that's it really for the jihadists. They're, they're pretty happy and they're not scared because um, everything is in the hands of Allah. So as, as the infidels, you know, get sick and die, you know, they're just celebrating. They're having a ball. Uh, let's see, the neo-Nazis... Talk louder. Talk louder. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the neo-Nazis... 
usually everything circles back to blaming the Jews, which is kind of part of the core. Um, so, you know, this is somehow being blamed on the Jews. Um, interesting, interestingly enough, a lot of them are saying if you have COVID-19, they're actively encouraging you to <laughs> go to synagogues and lick handles and doorknobs or go to a mosque and like lick the Quran. Um, there hasn't really been any chatter, interestingly enough, about targeting Asians or Chinese, which kind of surprises me. It's kind of the same old Muslims, Jews, let's attack them. Um, also, of course, they're trying to weaponize this. Let's attack the police, the FBI, the authorities. Um, some of you probably heard the story a couple of days ago where this uh, individual in uh, Missouri near Kansas City, uh, his plot was spoiled by the FBI just in time, but he was going to detonate a vehicular bomb at this hospital um, because he was growing kind of stressed um, about his local government's response to the coronavirus. Um, so a lot of these white supremacists kind of mixed with there's a nexus of like anti-government sentiment, so a lot of them are for creating chaos and just, you know, blowing things up, pandemonium, anarchy, um, to just overwhelm the system. And, you know, in the midst of this, they're circulating um, DIY um, weapons manuals and guns manuals, and, you know, they're telling people to stock up and, um, the boogaloo or like the upcoming civil war might be coming and um it's pretty interesting it's pretty interesting but a lot of this really does circle back to jewish conspiracy theories of course um and a lot of them are really skeptical and they're not believing what the government tells them so i see a lot of these nazis you know like they have their gatherings or like the government's not going to tell me what to do like i'm not going to quarantine myself this is a hoax blah 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 the Jews are telling us to stay home, you know, it's part of some grand plan. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And are you hearing any, are you, are you hearing any chatter uh, uh, from like the next generation of school shooter, shooters about like plots and things like that? I know, I know schools are closed, but people that like are upset that people aren't congregating in places and want to figure out a way to get people to congregate so they could take them out? Not so much. I mean, they, you know, they praise St. Um, Brennan Tarrant, you know, in New Zealand, but they're not actively planning that on Telegram or anything, maybe Discord or Signal or something encrypted that wouldn't be have so many eyes on it, but they're very aware that, you know, the government is in these chats and stuff because the other day um, this article circulated that um, these extremists were trying to weaponize COVID against the government specifically, so... Because I thought gun sales were up. Gun sales are up, uh, especially among Chinese. But, um, yeah, they're buying, they're buying more. They're encouraging people to do it yourself and, you know, build bombs or other things, you know, in the comfort of your own home. So there's, there's an uptick in that for sure. That was my lovely girlfriend, Anat. She does uh, counter-terror for a living, but she's kind of got a dual thing because it's not just jihadists. She's got a double platter. She's uh, 
targeting jihadists, but also white supremacists. And there's a whole lot of those uh, coming around uh, in these last few years uh, under Trump's presidency.